Well, amen. Can we give God a big hand clap of praise tonight? Thank you all so much for spending your Christmas Eve with an amazing time with our series, The Polar Express at TWBC. And we hope this Christmas Eve has been special for you. And we thank you for coming out and joining us with you. Open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number two. This is where we're going to begin to conclude the, the series of The Polar Express tonight. And the title of this evening's message is called Fading Beliefs. Fading beliefs. And as you're turning to the gospel of Matthew chapter number two, we had people bring back their golden tickets. And so we're so excited about uh, what we get to see and give you guys. So right after service tonight, if we could have uh, J.D. Pritchard and J.W. and Carolyn Pritchard go to the Guest Connect Center over there. If we could have uh, Daniel and Melinda... H-A-U-M-C-H-I-L-D I don't want to butcher your name so I'll just spell it out If you could go over to the um, uh, Connect Center right after service along with uh, Miguel and Lindy Palacios And then John Piercy If you could make your way over there and also Nick Steer we've got a gift for you and a surprise For you for bringing a guest and the golden Ticket back um, we have Mary Piercy and also uh, Caitlin Douglas if you could make your way over there And also Mason Virgil and Allison Virgil if you guys could make your way over To the Connect Center right after church Thank you guys for bringing the golden tickets back and bringing guests to TWBC tonight. And as we're turning in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, um, can we just give a special round of applause for all the volunteers who made tonight happen? I mean, you guys did awesome. From the cafe to the train drivers to the, the people who make the snow happen, the awning greeters, the, the greeters on the inside, the string quartet. Can we give them a hand clap of praise tonight for the awesome job that they did? And also our worship team, thank you guys for the great job and throughout this whole series. And, and especially, we don't want to forget our sound booth and audio visual team who made this thing over the top awesome this year. And we're truly blessed to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can we give Jesus an amazing hand clap of praise? So in the, in the video clip that we just saw, we realized the journey that the boy and the children are on is coming to an end. And as the end of this year is coming and Christmas season is coming to an end, and in about seven days, it's not just the end of a week, it's not just the end of a month, it's not just the end of a year, it is also the end of a decade coming to an end, and you get a fresh start with clear vision in 2020, and we hope that, that God is going to do amazing things in your life, and so after tomorrow, you'll begin to make decisions like, what do we do with all the old stuff? Where do we put all the new stuff? You'll begin to take down the Christmas trees and put the decorations in boxes and what started with joy and optimism of the holiday season now gets stored away for another year. And as the lights of Christmas begin to fade, what happens to the light within you? And that's the question I propose tonight as we kick off tonight's message. In every one of the sermons that I've done throughout this series, we've always started it with a question. And so the question is this tonight. As the lights of Christmas begin to fade what happens with the light on the inside of you? What are you going to do with the light on the inside of you just because the season comes to an end? And now what was lit up naturally because of a season, you must keep lit because of a decision. What was lit up naturally because of a season, you didn't have to try and make Christmas come. 
You didn't have to try and make the lights come on on the Christmas tree. You didn't have to try. All that naturally happens with the season every year. But what are you going to do with the light now that Christmas is done? And what was lit up naturally because of a season, we must keep lit up now because of a decision in Christ Jesus. And so my question for you tonight is, what decisions are you making tonight that after Christmas Sunday or after Christmas Day tomorrow... You'll have to keep deciding on a daily basis, how do I let the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shine on the inside of me? And that brings us to our account in scripture tonight in Matthew chapter number 2, verses 1 through 12. And this is the story of the, the wise men and the account as they come to Bethlehem. And it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men, everybody say wise men. They came from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And I want to just stop for a moment and talk about Herod just for a second. Herod wasn't just a king. Herod was crazy. And he wasn't just a crazy person he was a crazy king and so when it says Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem was troubled with him it means Herod was so crazy that when he was upset everybody better look out because heads are about to roll literally <laughs> that that was what he was known for he was known for doing crazy things and he had several wives and he ended up killing every one of them and the one that was his favorite, he even said after she was, was put away, he actually is known for saying this, I regret doing it because she was my favorite. And she was a Jewish woman. Five days before he himself died, he had his son executed because his reputation was going to be, he was Herod the Great, but his son was going to be called Herod the Greater. And because of his insecurity and jealousy, he had him put to death before he died because he didn't want his legacy to be surpassed by his own son. And so when it says Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, all Jerusalem got troubled because Herod was troubled because they didn't know what this crazy person was going to do. And so it says, For we saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. And when Herod heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And when Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared and sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go search diligently for the child and when you have found him, bring word to me that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child and Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Opening, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And my heart for you tonight is, as you hear this message, you came in one way, 
But I'm praying that your heart would be so touched by the power of God tonight that you would go home even a different way. And I'm not talking about driving a different route to your house, but going home not with happiness, but with great joy, like it talks about the wise men having great joy, because there's something so much greater than happiness. Presence tomorrow morning can bring you happiness, but only Christ can bring the fullness of joy. So when the presents go away, when the lights come down, when the Christmas trees go back up in the attic, will the joy remain? And what was naturally lit up by a season... You must keep lit now by a decision. And if you only want it to be lit by environmental things that may bring you happiness, but joy on the inside of you will help you keep the decision that the light of Jesus Christ will be glowing brightly all year long. And we can celebrate who Jesus Christ truly is. And so as we begin this message tonight, and as we're going to bring this uh, series to a conclusion... Jesus was the manifestation of the promise of God. But what started as a promise didn't just end up in a manifestation. What started as a promise appeared through a progressive revelation. What started as a promise didn't just show up one day. Brandon, it just didn't pop out of, of, of nowhere when the Isaiah prophesied what he was going to prophesy. What started as a promise 700 years prior didn't just show up. It appeared through a progressive revelation. And what my question for your personal life is this, is what are you so anticipating that hasn't showed up that you're waiting for the manifestation, but God says I'm going to bring it through a progressive revelation? I'm going to bring it through a progressive revealing of myself to you. I'm going to do it strategically and in a process and in a certain order. And it's going to get there. Come on, somebody. All the kids in the house, are you ready for Christmas tomorrow morning? Amen. Hold your hand up real high. The kids know that Christmas Day is a progressive revelation. Come on. They know that after tomorrow, it's 364 more days of progressive revealing until Christmas Day is going to come. And you know it's not going to come any quicker and I don't understand parents when they say, man, Christmas just snuck up on us. It's December 25th every single year. <laughs> but some reason our kids understand it's a progressive revelation, but we don't get it's a progressive revelation. We just wake up tomorrow and say, oh, it's Christmas. I hope we got all the gifts. And they're wrapped. And husbands, I hope you bought your wife something amazing. <laughs> Come on. But it doesn't just happen it doesn't just appear out of nowhere. It works a lot like God does. It starts with a promise, but it works through a progressive revelation. And so the promise comes in Isaiah chapter number 7, verse number 14. And it happens 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And it says in 714, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Isn't it good when God himself is going to do something? It's not an angel doing something. It's not somebody, a person helping you do something, but God himself will give you a sign. And it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Call him Emmanuel. So every time you say Emmanuel, you're saying God is with us. God is here. And that's the prophecy by Isaiah 700 years prior. And listen to what happened, though. Isaiah prophesied about the captivity of, uh, uh, of Judah. 
Jeremiah, you got the major prophets. You got Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the other one we're going to talk about is Daniel. Ezekiel's in there as well, but he's not a part of this story, so I'm not leaving him out, but I'm leaving him out, right? So you got Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel, who are three of the major prophets in the Bible. They wrote really, really long books where the minor prophets, it doesn't mean they're lesser in what they said, it's just they're lesser in the amount that they said. And so the major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel. And Isaiah prophesied about the captivity. Jeremiah is prophesying in the captivity as it's happening, getting taken from Judah to Babylon. But Daniel is prophesying while he is captive in captivity in Babylon. Now, the question in your mind must be maybe thinking, why is all the captivity being brought up? Because the promise of Jesus was birthed because of captivity. The promise of Jesus was birthed because of captivity. Isaiah prophesied about the captivity. Jeremiah prophesied while they were being taken captive. Daniel prophesied in captivity. And the captivity wasn't just of the Babylonian Empire over Judah. The captivity was a greater captivity, referencing the captivity that every person, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, is held captive And so what Isaiah was prophesying wasn't just about Jesus coming. He was prophesying about your salvation. And it wasn't just Israel becoming its own country again. It was a new kingdom being manifested, what Jesus always talked about. And so as they were prophesying, the promise was birthed out of captivity. And while you are in captivity, I'm going to tell you don't quit. Because there is a promise given to you. And you are a part of a progressive revelation that God is trying to use you in. So if it seems like you're stuck in the middle and it seems like your train has stopped and it's going nowhere, you don't need to quit. You don't need to give up because Isaiah prophesied about the captivity. Jeremiah prophesied as he was getting into captivity. Daniel prophesied underneath captivity, but it was all because a promise was given by Isaiah about a progressive revelation that ended up in a manifestation when Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. So in your life, What are you being held captive by that God wants to reveal to you how he's going to set you free from? Because as I said even the other day in a service, we all love the song that it's the most wonderful time of the year. But the fact of the matter is some of y'all put on a brave face just because your kids wanted to be here. And it's not the most wonderful time of the year. You're dealing with problems that I have no context of. You're dealing with addictions and isms and depressions and all the other things that nobody in this room knows about, and you're doing a really, really good job hiding it from everybody. But I'm telling you, if you're in captivity tonight, and some of you are just hanging on to your marriage to get through the holidays before you tell your kids it's over, can I tell you, don't give up? Don't give up because there's a promise for you. And the promise may not show up all at once, Marcus. It may not show up all at once, but it can happen through a progressive revelation. It can happen through a step-by-step process that God can start tonight in your life and help transform you forever. And even while Daniel was, was, was even in captivity, Daniel was conceiving the promise. So my question is, what are you conceiving in the midst of your captivity? See, there's a promise for you. And in the midst of Daniel's captivity... He was conceiving the promise. 
And in the midst of your captivity, what are you conceiving? Because in this story, the Bible talks about the wise men who came from the east. And many theologians believe that the wise men, or magi, or the official term is called magus, came from Babylonia when Judah was taken over by the Babylonian Empire. And they brought them into captivity. And listen to what the Babylonians did. They took the wisest, the smartest, and the strongest of all the men of Judah, and they put them in the king's court, and they trained them in the way of the Babylonians. And this is where we get the story of Daniel, Meshach, say it with me, Shadrach, and Abednego. This is where all this comes from. So listen in Daniel chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And it says, The king spoke with them, and among all of them there was none found unto be like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are their Judean names. Therefore they stood before the king in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, and he found them ten times smarter than all the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. So the Magi that came to visit Jesus were descendants of the smartest of the Judeans that were taken captive into the Babylonians. And some of those were Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And no one outside of Jewish descent would be looking for the star to proclaim the coming Messiah unless they were of Judean or or the, the lineage of Judah. Nobody would be looking for a star if you were of Babylonian descent. So the Judeans were looking for the star of the promised Messiah. So even while Daniel was in captivity, he was conceiving the promise of the Savior still coming. Come on, that's good stuff. God has a plan. And he reveals it through progressive revelation. And he wants to continue to reveal it to you in your life. And so the Magi were given the names by the Babylonians to the wise men. And the literal definition of this, according to the Strong's Concordance, is they were teachers, priests, physicians, astrologers, seers, interpreters of dreams. And they were, they, they, they were versed in sorcery and other things. And so these people were known as the wisest of all the people. And this is also the reason why Matthew is the only gospel that writes about the wise men because Matthew was written to the Jews Luke where all the rest of the basically the the Christmas story is found was written to the Greeks the Greeks weren't concerned about Jewish history the Jews were very concerned about Jewish history so when Matthew's writing to the Jews he incorporates the account of the wise men who were descendants of the people who were taken captive to Babylonia back in the time of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego to show the fulfillment of the promise that was given by Isaiah even though it was taken into captivity during Jeremiah, it was held in captivity during Daniel but now no one can hold down what God wants to do so God is breaking free from captivity with the birth of Jesus Christ and Matthew writes about it And that's why they brought gifts of gold and frankincense and of myrrh to celebrate the coming out of captivity. Come on, somebody. That's good. And if God wants to bring people out of captivity, then what does he want to do now after he's given you even a greater gift than gold, frankincense, and myrrh? He's given you the Holy Spirit And he says this, Robert, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave, I'm giving that to you as well, and it's going to live and dwell on the inside of you. So captivity may be coming on you, but if captivity doesn't get inside you, nothing can hold you captive. So your first step tonight is to realize, is captivity on the outside of me, or is captivity on the inside of me? 
Because Paul was put in prison, but prison wasn't in Paul. Captivity can be put on you, but if captivity's not in you, it's not holding you down for very long. There's a progressive revelation of how captivity's gonna be broken off you, and you're gonna walk in the freedom that is Christ Jesus himself and watch yourself be set free from all that God has for you. And so the angel quoted to Joseph in a dream the promise that the prophet declared to start the progressive revelation. So an angel showed up to Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew, and listen to this. While Joseph was sleeping, the promise was still progressing. I'm going to say that again. Some of y'all missed it. While Joseph was sleeping... Joseph wasn't doing anything but God was still doing something while Joseph was still sleeping the promise and the progressive revelation was still coming I'm telling you God's grace is more than enough for to get you out of every captivity that's on you just don't let it get in you and so while Joseph was sleeping the promise was still progressing and listen what is going on in your life that if you'll trust him enough to go to sleep it'll actually progress see some of us don't sleep because we're going to try and figure out how God's going to make it work God's saying if you'll just go to sleep and let me work Joel if you'll just go to sleep and get your hands off of my business I can make the promise progress a whole lot faster because sometimes Joel's actually the problem hindering the progression of the promise I know I'm the problem. <laughs> Andy, I know, I, I'm, I know I'm the one messing it up sometimes. And God says, Joel, if you'll just go to sleep, it'll progress a lot faster. <laughs> and you'll actually wake up with energy to see the fruition of it. So what is going on in your life that if you'll actually go to sleep, the promise will actually keep progressing? Listen, some of you have put your dreams in a casket when you should be giving them a pillow. You think you're in such captivity that you're putting your dreams in a casket and God's saying, while Joseph was sleeping, the promise was still progressing and some of you have put your dreams in a casket when you should have gave them in a pillow and you should sleep down and dream about them some more rather than letting them die. What dreams are you giving up on? What savior called Jesus Christ in your life five years ago was shining bright now he's a fading belief how is your belief in the true promise called Jesus Christ because what was illuminated by a season now you must keep lit by a decision in your life I've used the term progressive revelation over and over tonight, and it means consistent, planned, strategic revealing of the promise of God. And we want to open the progressive revelation from God like our, like our kids open presents, right? You got two ways to open presents. You got the way kids excited about Christmas open presents, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. They can't even wait to get it to you. They're, they're helping you open it for you, right? And then you got the, the people who have gone through a bunch of Christmases and for some reason you want to save the wrapping paper and you open your presents by progressive revelation. I'm going to untie the bow, right? I'm just going to slowly undo it, slowly undo it. I'm going to pull this string and, and the kids are like, just open the present already, come on, right? 
and you're like progressive revelation I'm gonna slice the tape and not just rip it and then you get one side undone and then it's like oh well, let's get to the other side right takes you 23 and a half minutes to open up a 10 second present that costs $3.25 come on somebody see sometimes God opens it up though by progressive revelation when we want to open it up like a child at Christmas but there's a difference between the presence under the tree and the presence that comes from the Father. There's a big difference. And sometimes God says, I got to open it up by progressive revelation in your life. And when I open it up by progressive revelation, if he conceived it, he is power enough, powerful enough to still reveal it. But the question is, are you strong enough to endure the progressive revelation? Some of you are grandparents in, the night, in here tonight praying for your children and your grandchildren to come back to Jesus because you're still standing on the promise. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they won't depart from it. But your beliefs are starting to fade, and I'm telling you, get back in the presence, not the present, the presence of God and let him give reinforcements to the belief of the scripture of God in your life that just because they haven't turned yet doesn't mean that they won't turn tomorrow and I'm going to believe in the progressive revelation of God the Father Almighty because if he's strong enough to conceive it he's powerful enough to reveal it it's are we strong enough to wait on the process of it and could it be the thing that is killing our faith? Could it be the thing that we think is killing our faith? And the answer to that is time. The amount of time that it takes. Could it be the thing that we think is killing our faith is actually the thing that's strengthening you to walk out the miracle that you've been praying for when it manifests? See, it hadn't showed up. <laughs> And it hadn't showed up and you're thinking, God, why hasn't it shown up? It may not have shown up because the thing you think is killing your faith is actually strengthening your faith. So when it does show up, you're mature enough to walk it out with him because you know he's the one who brought it. When, when uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah had John the Baptist, they were old in age and they waited years for the promise of uh, the progressive revelation of their son to be born. And how many of you know if John the Baptist was born a lot earlier, it would change the whole Christmas account. But God says, I'm not worried about how long it takes because I'm God over time and I'm revealing it by progressive revelation. And could it be with the thing we think that is killing our faith? It's actually the thing that's strengthening you to walk it out, to walk out the miracle you've been praying for. Because the Bible does say this, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Hope that keeps getting pushed off over and farther and farther away. The Bible says it makes the heart grow sick, but a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. Now, now I'm going to take about 30 seconds and explain this. When hope doesn't happen, your heart grows sick and, you're, and, and you get downcast. But when it happens, it says it's a tree of life. And the tree of life in the Bible is something that constantly reproduces over and over for generations to come. Study it out. It's mentioned in Genesis and in Revelation, the tree of life. It constantly produces fruit over and over for generations to come. 
So when it's not happening, don't give up because God's still working on something. But when it does happen, it's not just going to be for you. It's going to be for you and the generation after you and the generation after that and the generation after that. And so as you're waiting, he's strengthening you for what he's growing in you because when it bursts forth from you, it's a tree of life that's greater than anything you could comprehend. When there are no lights shining on you and when it's completely dark all around you only then will you notice the light that shines in you when there's no light shining on you in about 30 minutes all these lights are going to go out we're going to walk out of here and put a close on the Polar Express series on the 29th and all the lights are going to be out there's no light shining on us It'll be completely dark all around us. And only then will we as a church, will we as the body of Christ make the decision of the lights may not be on me. And there may be darkness all around me as I'm going to do family Christmases tomorrow, as I'm going back to work the following day. There's darkness all around me, but there's still a light. A light from Jesus Christ that shines in me. But it's only when all these lights go out does this light begin to shine brighter if you'll let it. And I want you to be encouraged to let your light shine. And I'm going to close with this. The wise men had been waiting 700 years. Generation after generation. Generation after generation. These people held in captivity. Held on to the promise of Isaiah. And they kept looking for the star that would reference the Messiah. And they waited 700 years of the progressive revelation to begin to happen. Then when it happened, they went on what some would say a two-year journey, a minimum of a nine-month journey of over a thousand miles. Some of us can't do a 20-minute drive to church. They went on a thousand-mile journey from Persia in today's society or Babylonia from then to the place of Bethlehem. And when they showed up at the house with the boy Jesus, wasn't the baby Jesus anymore. He was born in a manger. The wise men saw him at a house. He was born in a manger as a baby, Luke says, but the wise men showed up and saw the boy. So he was toddler age. They actually missed the birth. After 700 years of waiting, they missed the birth, but they saw the boy. They missed the birth, but they saw the growth of the promise. See, you may have thought you missed the birth, but actually he's showing you something greater because the promise doesn't end at the birth. It's the start of something that he's growing in you. And the wise men showed up at a time when Mary and Joseph life and brought them gifts of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh and says, I don't know if your beliefs are fading or not, but let me reinforce what the angels told you. Let me reinforce what God has been telling you. Let me reinforce what we've been talking about because we've been on a two-year journey and we know he is the Messiah and we want to give him everything that we have some of you need reinforcements tonight elbow your neighbor and say I'm here for you elbow your other neighbor and say I promise hey some of you need reinforcements tonight 
Some of you need to know that somebody is just for you in your corner who's not giving up on you, who's still praying for you, who still knows that there's a promise in you. And though you don't see the light in you, other people still see the light in you. And I see married couples sitting together tonight that, that I can tell your marriage is in strain, but I'm telling you, I still see the light of the promise of God in you that says what God has joined together. Don't let anybody put it asunder because if you'll hang on to the promise and start worshiping in his presence, God will bring through the progressive revelation of his promise to you. He's doing something. Chris, I want to reinforce it, man. He's, he's working in you. He's got something going for you, Robert. He's not quitting in your life. He's still moving. He's still doing what he promised. So the time you are waiting, God isn't punishing you. Please hear me. David and Bonnie, the time you're waiting, God isn't punishing. He's preparing. He wasn't punishing Mary and Joseph by not letting the gifts show up on, on time, right? He was preparing them. He was preparing them because they're soon going to have to flee to Egypt. He wasn't punishing them. He was preparing them. And some of you, you've been waiting so long, you think, why is God punishing me? God's not punishing you. He's preparing you. He's still the promise for you. And it's strengthening you to raise the miracle that God is giving you. So tonight, I want to reinstill hope in you. That if you haven't seen the manifestation, you are still a part of the progressive revelation of what God is doing. And with that, there is a promise for you. And tonight, that promise for you, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus Christ. And tonight, I know it's Christmas Eve, but don't make this a cliche Christmas where we worship Jesus, but we're worshiping something we don't know. I want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? Have you made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life? And y'all, we're out of here in less than 13 minutes. But don't let the next 13 minutes make you miss eternity because of what's going to happen with presence versus missing the presence of God. And if some of you are struggling tonight, the great news is this. Damon, the great news is this. If you're struggling tonight, the same prayer that saved you and got you born again is the same prayer that'll save you from your current struggle. The Bible simply says this, and we, we, we overcomplicate this sometimes. It says simply call on the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, the name that when you call on it, the Bible says no other name has been given unto men by which we must be saved. And, and here's the thing, Beth. We say that only thinking it means being born again. But that's not what the Bible calls salvation. It starts with the born-again experience, but salvation is a progressive saving over and over and over again and again and again from everything that you're going through in this current life. So the same prayer you said to get born again 20 years ago is the same prayer you need to say 20 seconds from now to get you out of your current situation. He's still the same Jesus. And if he can save your soul from an eternity apart from God, surely the promise is good enough to save me 
from the current situation that I'm going through. And so with everybody's eyes closed across this worship center, nobody looking around, balcony included, just because you're up there doesn't mean I've forgotten about you. Nobody looking around, I want to ask you this question. And be brave and be bold. If tonight you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life for the very first time, making a decision of significance in your life, if you would just hold your hand up real quick, just for a second. Real quick. Three, four, five. We got hands up everywhere. We're excited for people making decisions for Jesus Christ. All right, put your hands down. Today, if you're struggling with something, if you're going through a trial, a scenario, a problem, a circumstance, and you just say, Jesus, I really, really want your help. Jesus, I want your help because I've been doing it long enough on my own. I haven't slept for the past five nights. But tonight, I want you to come in and do something so I can actually sleep tonight. And while Joseph was sleeping, the promise was still progressing. While you go to sleep tonight, you can trust that God is still working on your problem. If tonight, across this room, you want God to just come in and do something amazing in your life, and you need Him to save you from something, a circumstance, a work scenario, a problem, just hold your hand up real high just for a second. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody across the room to stand. As everybody is standing tonight, I want us all to pray this prayer together. Whether you've been born again for 35 years, 50 years, or whether tonight is the first time you're truly praying this prayer from your heart, I want everybody across the room to pray this prayer together. Whether you're praying this prayer to be born again or praying this prayer for God to just move in a circumstance that you're going through, it's the same prayer. And God always moves like this. It's done by His grace through faith. And some of you are thinking, I don't even know if I have faith anymore. I got fading beliefs, but I don't even know if I got faith. Well, I'm telling you, if you're bold enough to pray this prayer out loud with me, you have faith enough to believe that God can move in your circumstances. So I want everybody across the room, whether you prayed it a million times or tonight's your first time, everybody pray this prayer out loud with me. Heavenly Father, tonight I come to you, and I need Jesus to move in my life. I would love to be born again and receive salvation. I would also love for you to save me from my circumstances. And I believe that Jesus is still powerful enough to do it. I believe in the name of Jesus. And I believe in the price he paid for me. I believe that he died for me on the cross. But I really believe that your power raised him from the dead. And I ask for that resurrection power to give me new life tonight. I receive salvation. I declare Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I ask that you fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can walk in a life of victory. Heavenly Father, thank you for the precious gift of Jesus Christ that we celebrate tonight. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Y'all give good God, God a good hand clap of praise tonight.